This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hope everybody's holding tough. Uh, hope we, everybody's safe and healthy. Um, while we continue to be locked in, I appreciate you all for sticking around for Locked On. Your host, Jeff Lloyd. From Sports Illustrated, Browns Digest, uh, SI.com, Mr. Pete Smith here. I'm going to go through some stuff here. So, uh, you know, start peeking in on the neighbors, so to speak. You know, the Ravens worked thus far. The Steelers worked thus far. The Bengals finally getting involved here in free agency. Um, I guess where we'll start first yesterday is uh, Pete, uh, Case Keenum certainly won over a certain fan base in his first dealing with the media yesterday. Uh that was weird. Um, well, I mean, he's he's not interested in taking anyone's crap, I suppose. Uh, he thought the question that Mary Kay Cabot asked about his role in the offense, maybe he wasn't satisfied with uh, that he was, he was coming in as the backup. And uh, Keenan uh, sort of called it out and said, you know, thought she was trying to stir the pot. I don't know. It didn't really necessarily feel like that was what she was trying to do, but um, he sort of uh, tried to establish dominance pretty quickly and then went with the uh, what's your name uh, play, <laughs> which was uh, she seemed to be taken aback by. So, yeah, I, it was odd. Uh, it definitely had a feel to it. And even, you know, and look, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll bust chops on anybody as much as I didn't really feel like that's where she necessarily was going with it. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, um, maybe, you know, Keenan had been heard some whispers or whatever, things of this nature and just felt like he wanted to get out in front of it. And look, I mean, other than this, you're not going to hear from, you know, as long as everything goes well, you're not going to hear from Case Keenan much anyway. So, um, but, you know, look, uh, you know, just saying, this is my role. I'm, I'm getting paid well to do so. So, you know, essentially that's what I'm here for. Um, I guess we'll take the teams here in, uh, obviously, order of finish last year. Um, it wasn't so much free agency for Baltimore, Pete, as it was uh, Calais Campbell for essentially what turns out to be, you know, a, a fifth-round pick. You give him a little more money. Um, hey, this is it's been a hell of a run for Campbell. He's been a fantastic, incredible defensive lineman now through two stops. Um, and you know, this is just one of those moves when it first went down, everybody, you know, it's one of those ones, well, was everybody in on this or was this kind of just like a private deal? Because, you know, Campbell, even at his age, even at his monetary amount, you know, for a fifth round pick, I mean, it's just, that's just straight up stealing. Well, yeah, I mean, the Ravens are in a position where they're, they're, they're playing for one season, one shot, one ring type deal, or maybe two. Uh, and, you know, when you're in that position, you can do these type of things and you can go to teams that are rebuilding or trying to shed salary. You can try to pry away small window players for, for practically nothing. And obviously, Calais Campbell uh, has been that guy. I mean, he's got like almost half of his sacks uh, in his career since turning 30. He's barely missed any games in his career. Um, I, you know, obviously your father time's coming at some point, but so far he's been able to, uh, play at a really, really high level. So, you know, he, he's an impact player. And initially it seemed like maybe he was going to be, you know, a defensive tackle, but 
then they went out and got Michael Brocker, so they are going to keep him as an end. Uh, and they're just going to have an absolutely massive wall up front that's going to be really challenging for teams to run on. Uh, you know, obviously, with what the Browns are doing, that becomes uh, an interesting dynamic between those two sides. Yeah, I, I mean, and just, you know, look, last year, you know, they struggled to get the pass rush until they made some moves and it was able to free up the rushers to do what they got to do, um, you know, as far as Judon. Um, but now it's it's going to be, you know, inside and out. They're going to essentially get it from everywhere. And you pair that with that, you know, with the secondary, I'm assuming probably line, but linebacker is going to be on their priority list. Um, you know, obviously with what the offense did last year and, you know, maybe, you know, moving away from Hayden Hurst ain't going to hurt anything, obviously, for once a first-round pick, that one's still – alarming as all get out. Um, but you know, when you're in that spot and you can define your off season into two to three players, you, you go about it, you go about it strong. You know, a lot of people talking, maybe they're going to still you know look to add one more wide receiver here. I don't know. Cause I think the passing game virtually is more suited, uh, you know, to the way it's been working with the tight end. Um, you didn't really get Hollywood Brown for the entire rookie year or start to even see what exactly his role is going to be. I don't ever think he's going to be, you know, a 90 reception guy. It's always going to be more 65 to 70 for a ton of yards. But, you know, as far as solidifying themselves and, and, you know, making the climb even tougher to get to the top of this division, I think they've handled that thus far. Well, I think they do want to get another receiver. I, I, I like, I think the, the threat for the Ravens is, is that you have, Lamar Jackson entering year three. You have Marquise Brown entering year two. You have Michael Miles Boykin entering year two, and you have uh, uh, Mark Andrews entering year three. But you know, like during the playoffs last year, I think when when you sort of had to find a guy that you could count on, and your answer was Willie Sneed, I think that hurt them quite a bit. So I'm sure they are looking. Just a question if they can really do it. The thing that's been interesting is the players they sort of let go or gotten rid of were players they didn't really get along with last year. Michael Pierce uh, obviously uh, got kicked out of practice for being too fat. Uh, and then Patrick Owunsar got kicked out of practice a couple times and had some issues with the organization. So, you know, they, they go from one giant human being uh, to clog up the middle to another in Michael Brockers. And so in some ways it almost seems like they are uh, happier with this roster in addition to potentially being better. But no, I mean, that was the thing is, is when there were talk of Stefan Diggs, everybody was immediately assuming, Oh, the Ravens will go get him and immediately terrified by it. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see what, you know, that next, that next move is the other, you know, wh where are they going to go from here? And they have other issues. I mean, obviously, Marshall Yonder retired. That's, you know, that's a big hole for them to fill. So they've got some challenges. Uh, they've got to figure out what they're going to do about center uh, with Skura, who's a free agent. Um, they, you know, they're a really, really talented team, but they are not done yet. Um, the wide receiver, it's going to be, I guess, because, you know, you could say it's like you need like a, Willie Sneed, but better, you know, maybe like, you know, and Anquan Bolden, you know, the guy who's going to be able to do the dirty work, the guy's going to be able to get the yak, the guy who's going to be able to get you seven yards when you need it on third and six. It's not going to be no, another Marquise Brown. And of course, some of this is going to have to, you know, 
be based on your know, Lamar Jackson continuing to develop as a passer, which is certainly possible. Um, you're not going to be able to run this kid forever. You know, the odds don't point to that, you know, being successful long, long term. Um, but yeah, you brought up Yonda, which is, you know, a massive hole. If you can even just get adequate play there, obviously, you know, th- they'll be satisfied. Um, but, you know, just like every team in the NFL, you know, you still have work to do. You still have work to be finished. Um, but the Baltimore Ravens, this point, you know, to this thus far, off to, uh, you know, pretty good spot here. And obviously that secondary still speaks for itself here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Locked On Browns. Uh, continue, uh, appreciate everybody, continue uh, start the day here. With your Google Home, ask it for the latest Cleveland Browns news. It'll have uh, me brought up in shorter uh, one-minute segments, five-minute segments. We're going to the positional groups now after free agency. Just kind of let you know where everything lies and, you know, the depth of the group or the lack of the depth of the group, things of that nature. But uh, with any hands-free system, whether it's Alexa, whether it's Google Play, ask them to play you the latest Cleveland Browns news, and you will have Locked On Browns brought up for you. Uh, Obviously, with Pittsburgh here and, you know, a lot of it comes down to the uh, big Ozark-looking man and whether or not the elbow is going to hold up and $44 million, is, I guess, is what he counts on their cap for this year. But, Pete, Pittsburgh, the, the Ebron signing, this is one it, – it's it's sneaky. It's sneaky because he's a, pain, he's a pain in the butt. He's gotten more consistent as a pass catcher than he did in his early days in Detroit. But uh, Eric Ebron to Pittsburgh, this is one that you, you can go back, probably look at the end of the year – um, and maybe Vance McDonald, you know, the one year was, you know, more of a mirage than, you know, maybe last year was more the reality. Of course, he wasn't playing with men. But with Ebron here and, and you look at it, this has all the makings of, you know, 80 to 85 receptions, 1,000 yards, 8 to 10 touchdowns. This should work well for them. Yeah, I don't know what he'll do statistically, but I think it's a pain in the ass to defend. I mean, I think Vance McDonald's a really good football player, and now they have Ebron. And that's, you know, it's, it's similar to the, what the Browns are doing. So you have these two massive targets that can go down the field and catch passes. And then, oh, by the way, you have to deal with Juju Smith-Schuster and some of these other receivers that are sort of ancillary pieces like Deontay Johnson, James Washington. Um, that's difficult to defend. There's just, it's just not, you know, you, you, you know, just looking at it right now, you know, with what the Browns have, and, and obviously they still have work to do, what are they going to do to match that up? I mean, yeah, they have Carl Joseph and they have uh, Andrew Sandejo as safeties, but they don't have a linebacker that can deal with that. They don't have, you know, just a, a, a real way to sort of be able to take that stuff away. And it's the same thought process with the Browns. I mean, who, how many teams are equipped to deal with Austin Hooper and David Njoku theoretically? That's the, that's the thought process. And that's a really big challenge. So, you know, especially you know, how many years in a row, and, and, and I think it's just reality, it, it, you know, all these people, well, why can't the Browns deal with the tight end? Uh, and now they have a guy who's effectively a receiver as a tight end. In addition to Vance McDonald, I mean, it's a challenge. So I think that's a, a big-time move for them and, and helps, you know, they're, they're offensively, they're fine. I mean, they, they got that him, they got – Stephen Wisniewski to come in for Ramon Foster. I think they're in great shape from that standpoint. Really, they're, all their questions are on defense. Um, well, one of them was maybe, you know, uh, addition by subtraction. Uh, Artie Burns moves on. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it, and this is the thing is, um, you know, they've been trying to make their, you know, living with the pass rush here for all these years. And obviously you lose Hargrave as well, which is, you know, 
Big, big time get for the Philadelphia Eagles here, but it's not like he didn't have other guys on the roster. They have a boatload, boatload of their, you know, defensive money tied up into that defensive line. So you need to, you know, basically find out whether or not, you know, you're going to continue to get that pass rush year in, year out. Well, sure. I mean, look, uh, Cam Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt are fantastic. T.J. Watt's a great player, but I mean, you traded for Chris Wormley, who's at least you know nominally your nose right now. You know, I don't I don't think that's going to really be enough. I mean, obviously, certainly he's not Javon Hargrave, but I don't know what what he really is. And and Daniel McCullers, that's your that's your interior right now. Um, and then the other part of that is you, you're sitting there with a a franchise tag sitting on Bud Dupree, who's definitely not worth a franchise tag. Um, and, you know, there's rumblings that, about them trying to get that sorted out. So that's in addition to the fact that they, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go ahead and move uh, Terrell Edmonds into the starting lineup to see if he can sort of deliver from that standpoint. It's, they have some, you know, some great, great players. They have some guys that they're hoping can can continue to get better, like Devin Bush. But the questions they have are are legitimate. And heading into the draft, you have to think that some of these positions are going to have to be addressed more thoroughly, like nose, like pass rusher. Uh, I mean, they they've got other than uh, Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, their next guy is Ola Adenihi. I expect they're going to you know draft try to address that again they don't have a first round pick that's obviously going to be a challenge for them so you know whether it's there's a moving free agency yet to happen maybe there's a trade of some kind i mean they're they're starting to run out of draft picks um the steelers are going to be fine but they they just have some real weaknesses they have to address uh and look i mean obviously they're you know i guess they're kind of going similar with the you know the baltimore theory of you know let's just you know try to get, you know, the band here together for one more run with Ben. And, you know, obviously you'll see how it works out with the weapons on offense here and, you know, not necessarily punt on defense, but understand that maybe they're going to have some holes, but, you know, maybe get back to what they were doing the last few years when Ben was healthy, boatloads of yards, you know, passing the ball, boatload the you know, points that way. Um, it's, you know, it's certainly not your uh, grandfather's Steelers anymore, or that type of premise here. Um, you know, and of course, obviously the first round pick was, you know, spent on Minka, which, you know, paid dividends. It certainly did. But, you know, for at the time, which felt like it was going to be a top five pick. And granted, it got them to, you know, around sniffing around the playoffs, I guess, so to speak. Um, so, you know, it, it did pay dividends as far as the return and make his fantastic player and extremely versatile within that secondary. I think Jameis Winston ends up in Pittsburgh, Pete. Well, somebody has been saying all along is this is where no, this is going to end up. Uh, it just, look, uh, you know, part of me is a little a little surprised the idea that it may actually happen, but it always made sense. I mean, you got Mason Rudolph; he can't play. You got uh, the other dude who can't Duck. play, Duck Hodges. Yeah, Duck Duck Hodges. Uh, look, I mean, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're saying, you know, obviously you're hoping Ben Roethlisberger can keep playing, um, but you know, who's the more natural transition if you want to stay with this type of quarterback than Jameis Winston? If you can get him to be a more consistent quarterback, then it's going to be a huge deal for you. And if you can't, 
there's an element of it where if you can have an explosive offense and play defense, you can still win. So it, it just – we'll see if it actually happens. I mean, again, the Steelers are kind of broke, but it just makes a ton of sense for them to do it. Um, and the other thing is, is I mean, you know, he's kind of similar to Ben, you know, I mean, even though younger, I mean, it's, you know, ugly, you know, breaking some tackles within the backfield, you know, putting some things together, obviously the interception rate, a lot higher um, from Jameis, but uh, it's, you know, it does make sense and it would give you a future. And I think at this point, you know, it's not going to cost you much to get Jameis Winston in your fold, you know, whatsoever. So we'll see how way Pittsburgh plays it out, but you know, he's been called this one for almost a year and more and more it looks kind of like possible coming to fruition uh locked on browns here jeff lloyd pete smith uh with apparel and with local businesses obviously everybody you know is taking a hit here um and my friends over at zabo apparel brian zabo and his family uh they do a fantastic job but it's you know it's tough times here when you are in uh you know a smaller you know family-owned business here it's just a difficult spot here so if you're looking for gear uh the zabo family out of vermilion ohio ZaboApparel.com, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com, on social media, at ZaboApparel, uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at ZaboApparel. Quality, quality products, uh, stand up well to a wash, and the, the uh, it's done, you know, the shirts and everything are done from the heart. It's done from an affection for this franchise. It's not just straight. It is a business, but it's not, it's done, it's a labor of love. It's not just done to make money. It's done due to appreciation and the fandom of the Cleveland Browns franchise in the city of Cleveland. So you're looking for apparel. Make sure you're checking out the fine folks over at Zabo. We had joked last week, Pete, and it took a little while, but, you know, Cincinnati kind of got involved here. Uh, DJ Reader uh, obviously was good signing. Um, late signings here of Bynes and Von Bell. Yes, guys, I wanted Von Bell, but for three years, $18 million. No, I didn't want Von Bell for that money. Um, it's Cincinnati, it's, you know, you got to get bodies in here. You see what they're going to think of, you know, Jonah Williams, where he's going to play on that offensive line. But at least Reader was a piece. I like what the Bengals are doing on a couple of these moves. I think Trey Waynes and a couple of these other moves are just treading water. But Mackenzie Alexander was a great play uh, for four million or whatever. I think um, DJ Reader obviously an upgrade for them. I I think. Uh, the Von Bell signing is interesting. I, you know, I, I think uh, I, I would have liked him on the Browns. I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves in terms of how, just how good he is, but it's a nice signing for them. And it, it sort of helps stabilize the back end along with uh, Jesse Bates, who's a really good player. Uh, they may be going to more of a big nickel look. Uh, this, if, if, if they like Sean Williams to be sort of a linebacker type. Uh, or maybe they go and get another deep safety and move Von Bell up uh, into that area. Either way, um, whether they're they're basically just deciding, look, we never get linebackers who can run uh, and cover right, so we're just not going to bother anymore, or something to that effect. Um, it's sort of just interesting to see uh, where this thing is going. But they've spent like an unprecedented amount of money for what the Bengals tend to do, and all of a sudden – they're at least interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, they were a team that didn't do anything uh, the first day of the tampering period at all, and they barely sort of showed up the second day. But all of a sudden, they've sort of found a way to be reasonably 
you know, productive for this period. And I think, you know, they, they again, they're another team that just has to make it count in the draft. But overall, they've done pretty well for themselves. Well, you needed to do something. I mean, obviously, with all it's going to be invested in Burrow at one, you know, you needed to find a way to at least, you know, beef up the roster. And I think, you know, secondary, like you said, I mean, the Trey Waynes, if you take the money out of it, you know, which the money itself is. But, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, he was kind of in line there with, uh, you know, obviously with, you know, the Kevin Johnson signing here, that would have been a guy that could have worked out well in that scenario. And then, why? let's even get to this one. Roby Coleman yesterday, Pete, and the money he went for, that, I mean, what, I mean, like, what I mean, I understand it was something they probably had moved on from, but Lord, getting that player at that position for that money, the Eagles, it just again, the Eagles do Eagle things and the Eagles do things, just do them well. Well, first, an investigation should be launched at the idea that this dude's making one, you know, up to 1.3 million for a year, but uh, no, I mean, it's look, the Eagles are able to sort of sell a culture that. Um, and in an environment that 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 uh, Andrew Barry really wants to build in Cleveland, and they can, you know, obviously the Eagles are always feeling like they can contend. People are always feeling like, uh, you know, believing the idea that they contend, and they're willing to sort of occasionally do some things, uh, you know, sacrifice a little for, for themselves for the sake of trying to win a championship, and that appears to be what. Uh, Roby Coleman is doing um, but yeah it's he, he took he's basically was arguably the best slot corner on the market and he's getting the least of anyone which um, is just you know frustrating I suppose on, on one end but on the other end it's just like um, you know it, it just goes to show what the Eagles are sort of able to do yeah, it was, I mean, just when the financial terms came out of that one, that was just like yowzers. Um, and, you know, for essentially being the top guy at his position on the market, uh, I guess the long play obviously certainly didn't work out in favor for him. But, you know, continuing here with the Bengals, obviously Burrow at one, you know, you're going to hope you have the offensive line in place, uh, you know, with Mixon, um, you know, A.J. Green, obviously Boyd, Tate, you know, the weapons, you know, there, obviously a lot of it's going to be contingent on you know, what you're going to get out of A.J. Green we haven't seen hide a hair AJ Green quite a while so player you're going to get at that age with the injury history going to be crucial um obviously the baton has been passed here Boyd is you know certainly the more the probably the scarier option of that group here now but talking linebacker like you said Pete you got to figure that maybe that's what's going to be in play at 33 and you know hope it's going to be you know whether one of Queen or Murray because like you said they can't seem to get these guys in the building as it is maybe I mean if it's me, um, you know, obviously it'll depend on what's there. But uh, if 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 I was the one running the Bengals, I would be getting another offensive tackle. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Bobby Hart at right tackle still, and you've got uh, a, a left tackle that I'm not sure is a left tackle. But in any case, you have invested in Joe Burrow. Um, uh, your your priority is to protect them. Now, having said that, you know it's it's unclear if they're even going to have the option to to get him. Uh, but it, it, Kenneth Murray, if he's there, is a fantastic player. Um, that would be you know sort of a home run for them, and uh, I think that could be a great situation for them. He can be a plug and play guy that can do all the things that they've basically been unable to do for years and years and years. Um, 
and suddenly their defense looks younger, more athletic, and has some some ability that maybe they haven't had in a few years. But they are, you know, they are transitioning from this bunch of older guys, AJ Green, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, uh, into this younger group, and they've got to sort of be able to find a way to to do that effectively. And that's that's uh, that's going to be a challenge. So linebacker, maybe you know. Maybe they could take a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr. and say, screw it, we're going to roll three safeties all the time. Uh, or, you know, an offensive tackle that could sort of uh, come in. Maybe that, you know, it'd be really early for him. But let's just say like a guy like Matt Kurt um, comes in to, you know, compete for that right tackle job. And ultimately, you know, that that's where they go with that position. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Bobby Hart signing, I mean, re-signing last year, obviously still some laughs here, but certainly has never even come close to the player. And you could get, you know, look, whether seven go in round one, and, and it is a possibility, but you're still talking about guys like Yang and uh, you know, obviously Princeton and uh, Tane Wogo out of Auburn. I mean, it's those names are still going to be there, and they're not even mentioned as far as, you know, seven names that possibly could go in the first round, you know, and obviously neither one of those guys are getting a test in any way whatsoever. Certainly not going to help them, so it should leave, you know, the Bengals with options here, you know, as far as what they can do there as a top of round two to cap off, um, obviously what'll be the Joe, Bar- uh, Joe Burrow error in Cincinnati. Um, I, I guess on a whole, Pete, I mean, you know, other than Pittsburgh maybe, but I, I think for three out of the four and obviously for the one we cover, I think everybody's gone into this and at least filled some holes and gotten themselves, you know, hopefully to a plateau where with a good draft, you know, should be, eyes should be, you know, looking up, towards a better 2020. I mean, Pittsburgh comes down to one thing and one thing only, and we're not going to know that until we play some games. Right. I mean, the, the Browns are set up um, on one side of the ball to do really, really well for quite a while. They've got to sort of finish it, but um, you know, they, they put the pressure on, on that group, which is good. I mean, that's what that's, you know, Kevin Stefanski's sort of side of the ball. It's uh, more important to have that side stabilized because it takes longer to build. And now it becomes, can you can you put together a defense? Can you uh, you know execute that plan to make that group effective enough that the offense, which just has to be good um, based on, on on what they're doing, can carry this team throughout the regular season? And if they can, and they get to the playoffs, you're hoping that your defense can sort of be enough where you can go on a run. And we'll, I mean, we'll play it at, it's going to be a while here. Obviously, you know, off-season activities, all this thing, um, you know, OTA, see when we get to those type of things here. Pete, Adam Schefter's idea of the NFL draft cut up into seven nights. And I know you're already getting nervous here as this thing's going to go virtual. And I've seen you talking about, man, we're really going to stroll out these 75-year-old uh, past NFL legends to have them, you know, butcher a poor young man's name who may come from Haiti or <laughs> wherever they do. Um, what do you think? Seven rounds over seven nights. Well, I mean, what they really want is to basically have the first round be over 32 nights and then have the other rounds one day each. Um, like nobody's going to sit there, you know, they they can they can make you know, day threes, 
rounds into each of their own days, but they don't, they're not going to sit there and talk about that. They know it's not going to make for good enough television. Um, the first round is the moneymaker. Rounds two and three are very good. After that, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just not compelling enough not to get it done. So, you know, the idea of draft Hanukkah, I hate it. Um, I understand the thought process here is, look, there's nothing going on, so you capture all the attention. But I think after the first round, maybe after the first three rounds, uh, you know, other than the hardcore people, they're going to tune out because, you know, it's still ultimately just picking players and there's not enough um, people that are interested in that to, to, to make it pay off in that way. So I hate it over three days. I wish it was still two. But um, no, I don't need draft Hanukkah. Draft Hanukkah. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. Uh, you know, get the old draft menorah out and that type of stuff here. Um, so, uh, <laughs> all right, Draft Hanukkah, I like it. That was a good one, Peter. We'll give you credit for that one here. Um, I'm going to put a bow on this one here. Uh, obviously, you know, we were able to recap everything the uh, AFC North has done at this point here. Um, just trying to put out content for you guys day in, day out. And obviously, Pete and the crew over at SI.com, Browns Digest, continue to do the same. Um, getting more and more, you know, as far as, you know, trying to, you know, Pete's putting, you know, Barry's plan into, you know, words and players now. So you're going to see a lot of good work for him. Uh, obviously, Sean Stevenson put up an article about, you know, Jadavian Clowney, whether that could possibly work, which seems to be dragging here. My question there is, is probably what Jadavian Clowney wants monetarily wise versus what people are willing to pay him. Does have an awful feeling like Seattle's just going to end up keeping him. In my opinion, that just feels like that's going to work. Make sure you're checking everything out. Browns, Dig- Browns Digest on Twitter. Make sure you're following the guy at underscore Pete Smith underscore. SI.com, of course, is where you can always find all the work over there. Show itself at Lockdown Browns, all lowercase. DMs are open. Follow back account. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Um, you guys want sh- stuff put into the show. You got questions, anything, you know, plenty of time on the hands right now. So uh, doing my best I can to get back to everybody in that. Pets. Um, wherever you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, uh, yeah, drop a written review and a rating. That'd be fantastic. Greatly appreciated. Um, and with that, I appreciate you all for being locked in. I mean, while you're locked in, being locked on. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.